With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Awake to Oneness Radio. I am Caroline Chang, your host. The mission of Awake to Oneness Radio is to inspire the world to awaken to the universal truth of oneness. Spirituality and science are telling us that we are literally all connected. We are all one. And when the world wakes up to this universal truth of oneness, there will be peace on earth. Today's topic is Metacivics, a focus on creating social infrastructure in oneness with Dr. Barbara Fields. Barbara is the Executive Director of the Association for Global New Thought. However, the list of all of her activities and all of her accomplishments and all of the projects that she is involved in. The list is so long. If I uh, attempted to read the list, that would take up our whole entire hour. So I'd like to welcome um, Barbara to Awake to Oneness Radio. Thank you, Barbara. Uh, Thank you for having me. What a pleasure to be with you today. Thank you, Barbara. I am so honored that you are with us. Um, Like I said, your, your list of accomplishments is a mile long, <laughs> and you have been in this work for a very long time. This is a new work for me, but it's a passionate work for me, but this is something you've been doing for a very long time. Can you please share with our audience, our listeners, you know, how you got started in the work that you're doing now and all the activities that you are involved with? Well, I'll say a couple of things. Um the first thing I'll say is that there's a degree of serendipity in it, and I and I think maybe the listeners to your program will appreciate what I mean by that, that sometimes, what is the expression, even the best laid plans of mice mm-hmm. and men? Um, I do have a, a degree in religious studies, and and religion and spirituality has been, you know, a lifelong academic um, interest for me. Um and I was I was also living in Chicago in in up in in the early 90s. I was part of a environmental television show called the Earth Network. Um, it was kind of a grassroots group of guerrilla um, media activists who decided to produce the truth on some of the issues that were facing the planet, but to do so from um, a fairly responsible and spiritual point of view ra- rather than an a- adversarial one. And so my work with the Earth Network and some of the activities with the environment landed me on a, a committee that was, um, that was doing a centennial celebration for the 1893 Parliament of Religions that had taken place in Chicago during the Chicago World's Fair in 1893. And they were going to produce a, a hundred-year celebration of that event, which is known as the introduction of religious pluralism to the Western world. So I was on what they called the Environment Committee, because not only did they want to hear from the world's religions what they were basically about, you know, a show-and-tell of, of the world's religious traditions, but they also wanted to ask the question, what do the world's faith traditions um, feel about and and wish to create in terms of the critical issues facing us on the planet today? What do they have to contribute? Mm-hmm. So um, one thing quickly led to another, and 
in short order, I found myself appointed as program director for the Parliament of the World's Religion Centennial Celebration in Chicago in the early 90s. And that, that was a kind of, um, that was like being thrown into the fire of the world's international interreligious dialogue um, and, and event planning and, and diplomacy, a lot of other issues that went along with that. And it was a very successful event. In fact, um, they've had several since then, and my group, the Association for Global New Thought, is going to present in the upcoming parliament in Salt Lake City in October of this year. So um, through that group, I, I met a one key person that your listeners may know about, and her name is Barbara Marks Hubbard. Mm-hmm. And um, Barbara introduced me to Michael Beckwith and Mary Morrissey and Roger Teal and some of the people that are considered to be the real, um, the real leaders of the New Thought movement, religious science and unity. And they were forming a new organization that, was <clears throat> that hoped to present a spirituality um, for, at that time, the 20th century, a more modern spirituality than the typical um, church, mosque, um, temple, the, the typical traditions that, that were losing people from their ranks because people were moving away from organized religion. This particular group of people in New Thought was hoping to create an organization that could offer some more relevant opportunities and insights. And that's how I, I came to be associated with AT&T in, in the last 10 years. As this conversation goes on, maybe we can discuss some of the individual initiatives that, that we have, have founded and, and, and helped to um, offer to, to people around the world. Well, well can you um, tell the audience um, what New Thought means? because I did uh, hear you in a conversation recently explain that. I think that's a wonderful ex- explanation of what new thought, because m- people may think more new age, but that's not what um, my understanding from new thought is. So could you uh, uh, fill us in? <laughs> sure, sure. And I really appreciate the question, because I've been with Association for Global New Thought, AG&T, for 18 and a half years, and I hadn't really heard about New Thought when I was introduced to them in 1997. I had heard about Unity Church, and I had heard about Science of Mind magazine, and I, I did know a little bit about what, what was called religious science, but these were more or less new American religions that, in my experience with international interreligious dialogue, weren't among what are called the seven or eight major faith traditions on the planet, New Thought was not was an unknown quantity. And so when I learned, when I got to know them, my impression was that it had something to do with the New Age movement, but I quickly found out that that was something that they were moving hard against um, to, be, to be thought of in that impression because it wasn't about... Um, at the time, we made jokes about crystals and, you know, manifesting refrigerators and parking spaces and things like that. And really, New Thought is the umbrella term that includes unity, religious science, science of mind, etc. And its basic core philosophy is that the divine or God is not an external, certainly not an external being, and is not located as separate from or outside of we ourselves as the individual. In fact, it's a unified spiritual source of universal energy that we all, that we all not only have access to, but can express in unique ways through the ways that we live our lives and the choices that we make and the, the new thought that we have about our experience or the society we we would like to create is is the thought that we give our energy to and the thought that eventually becomes manifest in form or in action. 
So it doesn't mean new thought in the sense of chronology, like, oh, gee, I'll have a new thought because it's newer than the one I had yesterday. That's uh, that's not at all the interpretation. The interpretation is a thought that will transform your way of thinking about God, yourself, and the society as it stands right now, locate responsibility for creativity within yourself, and become the expression of that new way of thinking in the world. Yes, it's very much in line with um, uh, Awake to Oneness radio. Very much, exactly. Yes, Mm -hmm. yes, very much in line. Um, And now can you also tell us, expand on um, the Association for Global New Thought, um, the organization, and its role? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, when, when Barbara Marks Hubbard introduced me to some of the, the leaders of the New Thought Movement, um, that must have been around 1997 or so, <clears throat> they, they wanted, first of all, to find some more unification within the various traditions of their own movement. So instead of being separate unity and separate religious science, etc., they wanted um, to, to create a group that would include leadership from all of those places. And furthermore, when we first met and were looking at our mission, we didn't want to be another organization that simply supported churches and trained ministers and um, basically supported church and center um, work, that we felt it was time to have a a cutting-edge resource that was asking itself the question, how can our style of spirituality be of service on the ground in communities around the world on a daily basis. And so we basically formed ourselves with a mission that we named at that time Spiritually Motivated Social Activism. And now it's not a unique idea. In fact, thank goodness, it seems to be popping out everywhere in the form of oneness, in the form of compassionate cities, in the form of shift shifting society. But What's, what's really important about it is that it means that, you, that we're, we've trained people through our organization to become more mature spiritual citizens, knowing of themselves, bringing more value and a more profound sense of um, compassion and understanding to the immediate relationships in their families, in their communities, and learning how to be citizens in their communities, in their countries, even in international settings, so that the spirituality was expressed in the choices that they made, whether it was about violence or about the environment or about humanitarian service or about interfaith dialogue or about politics per se, that there was a kind of seamless understanding that this was not cosmetic social activism, this was about spiritually motivated ethics and a new story for uh, a society that's clearly in trouble. So AG&T took that as its mission and then started forming projects that would help people on the ground to really engage with programs, for example, our Gandhi King Season for Nonviolence now celebrated its 18th year. And this, this enables people to form task forces in their communities, oftentimes starting in one of the New Thought centers, inviting people who are interested in the topic of nonviolence or have issues related to violence, and learning together about solutions, um, about collaboration, about creating new forms and systems that would address questions that um, in many cases, their civic authorities or their other religious authorities were not really helpful about. Um, you know, we've, we've, we've done much work in, in that realm, and that's basically the mission of our organization. And how, um, how many organizations are, con- are under this umbrella network? Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's hard to say, but in the New Thought movement, I would think that there are probably about um, 15 to 1,800 New Thought centers. Some of them mm-hmm. might be very small centers, you know, starting in a living room. Some of them may, may be 50 to 100 person congregation, and some of 
some of the churches are very large, 400, 500, 1,000. Some of the larger works, of course, are 8,000, 10,000 members. So like, it's actually like got quite a pardon, like agape is one of the biggest yes, like things agape. in our movement. Yes, Unity Mile High well, Church in Colorado. Okay, Unity, um, and also Humanities Team, also um, connected. Humanities Team is not a New Thought organization, but we have have oh. had close alliances with them. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, okay. So um, it's just I, I um, it's very fascinating that you speak about uh, social activism because I wanted to ask you um, the definition for meta civics. Meta civics. Yeah, yes. the, it's. Um, I don't know if you've noticed this, but a lot of people in the in the consciousness movement of today they like to make up words and terms. <laughs> they like to make up language. Well, yes. and it's appropriate because we need new language to express new ideas and new forms. But I, I came up with this this notion that I call meta civics because it it was so aligned with ideas about spiritually motivated social activism that whether or not it's connected to a religious or a spiritual system or dogma, that there is within every individual a set of core values, um, ethics. Uh, His Holiness the Dalai Lama really talks a lot about secular ethics for the new millennium. And this is a place that is not, it's not secular in the sense that there is no inner core or inner spirit that's moving the person, it simply means that it, they don't necessarily need to belong to a, a certain um, named faith tradition or a certain kind of church or religious institution in order to be a spiritual, active person in their society. So there's this notion of meta, which is um, a term that refers to an overarching or universal or transcendent idea, and coupling that with 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 what we know about civics, which has been quite limited to certain kinds of um, policy making in training about what a, a citizen in any particular locale um, might do in terms of their responsibilities to vote, to you know serve on city councils, to you know the 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 notion of civics that we got when we were in junior high school and high school. But the idea mm-hmm. of being a spiritually motivated informed and responsible, active citizen in your own community is a new idea that I think is really our only way through some of the challenges that are facing society that are so divisive right now. There has to be a spiritual core, a commonality of values that needs to also be acted upon in a responsible, systematic way so that we can solve some of the issues facing us. So meta-civics is is just a, a kind of a um, a more um, ethically informed, compassionate approach to how to be a good and active citizen. I I just I love the whole concept of um, the spiritual activism and the meta uh, civics because um, I do agree um, and believe because I heard you say um, it's time to stop the the talking about and complaining about. The problems in the world today, and actually uh, focusing on solutions, and and um, basically finding those solutions within each person, and then acting upon those in a in a, a civic manner, as you're saying, spiritually. You know, so spirit. I never thought of myself <laughs> as an activist until this year. <laughs> so, um, oh, good. Welcome. <laughs> not, yeah. Well, I never thought of because I've never thought of myself as being militant. You know. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, but uh, when I learned more about spiritual activism, um, I was like, "Yeah, that's me. <laughs> yes, that I can do because." I, you know, um, I'm not sure if you're aware, I did lose my son almost a year ago um, to the day, um, July 1st of 2014 is when he made his transition, and that was the most difficult time of my life. And after going through that, um, um, I just woke up about six months ago um, saying, just do what's in your heart. And that's how this radio show got started, and 
a nonprofit foundation which will have a center um, of that will be also under your umbrella. <laughs> um, Wonderful. Here, here, here in the Poconos where I live, um, my son's name was Kyle, and um, mm-hmm. using and this I, I believe I got directly from him um, using his name, the Kyle Center, and Kyle stands for Keep Your Light Expanding. Um, wow, I love that. And, Yes, um, and I'm just um, I'm just so passionate about the project and Awake to Oneness Radio because um, this is the first time in my life that I am stepping out in spirit, knowing that I'm supported by spirit, and um, just the awakening to oneness happened for me in 2007, um, and it ta- it has taken taken this long for me to actually live in oneness the way I know my heart is telling me I need to live in it. Um, and like um, in, uh, things in the news like the uh, shooting in Charleston um, a week ago, um, people are all talking about it, but are people really talking about the solution or are they just complaining? So um, that's why I, I love what uh, your organization is doing and Humanities Team and Agape and Unity. It, it's all about uh, talking a different language. And um, I just, another, you had mentioned the, sh- uh, well, you mentioned the word shift. Um, I just discovered the movement, the shift movement, which um, are, are developing a movie called The Shift, uh, which is, is the same thing. So this uh, this global shift is happening it's it's definitely happening um conscious this conscious elevation uh evolution is happening and it's just a matter of now everyone understanding that the old way of fighting against the old and complaining against the problems it's it it's time it's a new day to now step out and and actually take some action to solve the world's problems. So I just, I, I'm so, um, so honored that as soon as I heard you um, a couple of weeks ago um, on a call with um, Humanities Team, Steve, I, I emailed you and you agreed to come on the show, and I was so thankful because everything you said uh, just resonated so uh, deeply with me. So can you share with the listeners, because um, there's probably a lot of people out there listening that might feel, well, what can I do? You know, um, I believe in the oneness. I, you know, I want to um, do something. Um, what what advice would you give our listeners at this point? Well, well something you said, it kind of inspired me before, and I wanted to say you don't think of yourself as an activist because you you don't feel adversarial or or militant in any way and exactly mm-hmm. i you know the new activism spiritually motivated activism is a response to the fact that that adversarial the, the adversarial and militant nature that has unfairly usurped the term activist which really is quite a neutral term it but 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 some of the examples that that we use when we think about activism that in, in many ways the media has sens- sensationalized activists as people who are destructive and angry and so on um i would like to say that one of the things that is is impressive right off is that the fact that you heard a calling for your life, you responded to it authentically, you created this program, which is a clear demonstration of your activism and what I consider to be your contribution to the solution, because it's, it's, a, it's a vast project that we all have in front of us, and everyone's going to be expressing and contributing to the solution in their own way. There is no umbrella or central organizing principle for activism these days that is large enough to somehow take charge of the mag 
the magnitude and the complexity of the kinds of social and spiritual problems that are facing us. So what I believe is most required right now, and this is in answer to your question, is that people have to own to a certain degree their inner authority. The reason that I think that New Thought is a helpful tradition is because it encourages people to move away from the feeling that that authority and permission and leadership is somehow located outside of or separate from themselves. So you don't act or you don't lead or you don't contribute unless there's some kind of formalized institution or authority that has, that has given you instructions or permission somehow to contribute to society in a, in a constructive way. The, the deal now is that no one can tell you, Caroline, or myself, or Michael Beckwith, or anyone listening to this program, no one can tell you what is your unique contribution to, in order to be part of the complicated solution that is facing us as a society. You have to do the inner work. You have to feel genuinely what is supporting you and calling you in your particular area of expertise. You have unique gifts. You have special propensities. You're attracted to certain kinds of work, uh, different sets of ideas. And so wherever it is that a person feels called and qualified to contribute to the society, the next step is to start to explore and educate yourself about the strategies and the educational opportunities and the information that you need in order to create a work that will express your gifts in, an, in a constructive way in the world. So on our, on our website, we, which is agnt.org, what we have been doing for the past 18 years is creating programs and posting free tools, programs and artwork and letters of, for funding and explanations and training programs and discussion questions for dialogue and actions you can take in your community. It's a whole menu of tools that if you feel that, it's, that you're ready to become a citizen leader, a spiritually motivated citizen leader, or that you can even call together a group of people that you feel in harmony with and say, we can be co-leaders of a new initiative in our community. Yes, we can go to the AG&T website and we can get tools that will tell us in very organized ways how to take the first, second, and third step, but we're also in a better position to know what's needed in our community than somebody who's sitting in an office in California. So what we hear, need here in Tennessee or in Wisconsin or in Ghana, um, mm-hmm. we determine, we take on our own authority, and then we find out who's there with us, who is doing similar work, how can we have a dialogue to discuss what common resources are available. It's a learning curve, but I want to stress that it isn't daunting if you take it step by step and you're always referring back to the core of the inner voice that's calling you to the work. Oh, that's so beautiful because that's so true. Because when I was awakened, I have the date and time, uh, January 7th of this year at 1.30 a.m. in the morning, um, Spirit woke me up and said, just do it. I knew what Spirit was talking about, but Spirit was talking about um, starting the nonprofit foundation in my son's memory, which would fund um, a community center in my area of the Poconos, um, and also this radio show. I knew what Spirit was telling me to do, but that's all I knew. <laughs> you know, I so what did you know. do next? The next, well, I got on the computer and started. First thing I did is um, I Googled um, Nonprofit Foundation. How is how to start <laughs> nonprofit foundation? Okay, okay. And then um, I knew a little bit about internet talk radio, but not much. So next, so, so the first search was uh, how to start a nonprofit foundation, and then the second search was okay, how to start an internet radio show. 
<laughs> and that's those were the first steps for me, and it was the next day, that, that actually in the wee hours of the morning on the computer, um, doing those searches because Spirit told me to do it. And I said, I'm, I, I decided I'm not going to argue anymore. I'm not going to think of reasons why I can't. I don't have them. I, I think at that time I may have had $500 in my bank account. Yeah, it's just you know, it didn't matter what uh, money I had in the bank account. Nothing mattered. Just do it. <laughs> and I, I'm stealing Mikey, um, Nike's uh, slogan, just do it. But <laughs> do um, it. <laughs> I, you know, I just listened. And I said, I knew. I, I had no doubts. I said, I'm following spirit, and I know spirit is going to support me, and the next step will unfold when it's time to inf- unfold. Everything, mm-hmm. I know I'm, I know everything will c- fall into place exactly when it's supposed to fall into place. So, I just need to be in the now and doing, taking those baby steps in that direction. So, mm-hmm. and after um, Michael, uh, Reverend Michael was one of my guests, and he invited me to Agape Revelation 2015 celebration, and uh, at that was that gave me a clear vision of what I wanted for the Kyle Foundation. Uh, I, I like. I was just on fire. So, and I know that the vision is there, and all I have to do is keep taking steps towards it in that direction and, and living. And I think it's so important to live my truth. Um, I, I, I've actually lost friends. I, I've had friends stop talking to me since I started doing this radio show. Um, you know, um, I've lost support of physical people, but my, like Michael has said to me, um, you'll meet, you know, more people. You'll meet the people that should be supporting you and, and surrounding you. Um, if they stop talking to me because I'm doing a radio show, then, you know, uh, that's not that's not something I have I can take on as uh, something to stop me or uh, um, something to hindrance my progress. I have to keep moving in my truth, living in my truth. And sometimes it's not, I, I know from experience, living your truth when others around you are not doing the same is not always the easiest thing to do, but it, I, I believe it's what we all need to do. Look inside, like you, you mentioned, going within, because there's a unique gift that each of us have to offer to bring to the table, and we have to go within to find that. Nobody can tell us what our unique gifts are. So um, I, I'm in so much alignment with everything you you said. Um, but can you share more, more of the projects? Because I know there's so many projects that you are involved with. Yeah, well, there have been so many. I'm proud of all of them. One of, one of our most successful projects has been what started out as the Gandhi King season for nonviolence, we were we were celebrating the period between January 30th and April 4th that represented the the 50th and 30th memorial anniversaries of Mahatma Gandhi and Martin Luther King Jr. That was in 1998, and so we created a program whereby our centers all over the country could do active work in nonviolence education in their communities. And we thought we might have about a half a dozen cities or people helping the first time. And it turned out that we had about 112 cities on board before the end of the first season, which is only 64 days long. It's a couple of months. Um, and so instead of just making it that year's memorial celebration, it became an annual event, and it's grown every year. So long about in 2007 or so when we, we had an event called the Gandhi King Peace Train, it was actually a, a train with private cars that went up the coast of California, and we had a, a conference on the train for all the people around the world who had been participating in the season for nonviolence. And basically, meeting for the first time, we asked them, "Okay, we've we've done a decade of really good work that we, you know, we can measure, we can demonstrate, we can show people, we can talk about what would be the thing that you would like to happen next." And they said, "Well, we would like there to be a season." year-round, or four seasons, or many seasons. And so at that point, we developed the same model and created 
a season for the earth, a season for humanitarian service, and a season for interfaith and intercultural celebration. Um, and to taken together, those are our charter projects called the Seasons for Peace and Nonviolence. Um, mm-hmm. We've also been involved with um, global celebrations, such as with Humanities Team on Global Oneness Day for several yeah. years. Um, that's how mm-hmm. we came to meet Steve Farrell and Humanities Team. We, we've been famous for what, what's called the Awakened World Conference, that started in 1999 in in the desert in Palm Springs, California. And we've had many Awakened World conferences since, including in 2012 a major interfaith, intercultural gathering in Rome and Florence that involved um, leaders from all over the world and citizen activists. Um, We've been involved, as I said before, in the Parliament of the World's Religions, we had a an Awaken World Film Festival in Santa Barbara, California last fall that that featured only responsible uh, documentaries and narrative feature films on topics that pertain to um, the self, society, and spirituality. And that film festival was actually a film festival and a conference because all of the filmmakers came and led workshops along with their films. And it was tremendously well accepted. Um, we have seminars that organize communities called uh, Awakened World Synergy Seminars. Those, those tools are available. We've had three global dialogues called the Synthesis Dialogues with His Holiness the Dalai Lama, who came and has been with us three different times for about between three to five days, where we invite him to meet with world religious leaders and other secular experts to discuss different, different issues, different themes. Um, we've been involved in League, uh, Evolutionary Leaders Project, which is leaders and authors of the consciousness movement, mostly here in the West and the United States. Um, a program for young leaders called Generation Now. Um, a New Thought Women's Network, which is a forum f- especially for um, women and spiritual leadership. We've been involved with the t- teleseries with the Dalai Lama Foundation. Um, there's just been a lot of ways that AGNT has felt its inner calling to um, step forward and say, Let, let's take a look at the resources among us and the talents and the gifts and see what, what, what creative project or program can we create and help people to become involved in and then see what a big difference we can make when instead of saying, gee, we're just one person or one organization, what can we do? How can we contribute to this world that, seems to have so many problems. The fact is is that any single person has the power and the authority and the know-how and the passion to do something right where they are, just like when you woke up and knew what you were supposed to do. It's not magical like some voice, you know, from beyond told you something that other people don't have access to. That's your deep inner self telling you you can actualize your life and in the process, contribute to your society. What could be better than that? That's so true, so true. And I also, I do believe that um, at our core, because we are all divine, we're all connected, we're all a part of God, we're never separated from God, um, I do believe that at our core is love, compassion, and appreciation. And those vibes, those, um, everything is frequency, Everything has a vibration, and I know the the vibration of love and compassion and appreciation are so much stronger than the vibration of hate and separation um, that my belief is it it doesn't take that many to to make this shift happen to make this conscious evolution um, happen because the vibration of love is so much stronger than the vibration of hate. And I I did hear that and read that somewhere. It was in a scientific study. It might have been Reverend Michael I heard speak about that um, a while back, but I do believe that. I believe it It doesn't, it takes just an ounce of love to overcome an a, a ocean of hate. Uh, this is my belief. I am just sharing. So, I believe that this shift and this evolution process that we are going through, um, it's going to happen quicker 
than um, uh, we can imagine because of the high vibration of love and oneness and compassion and understanding. Um, so I guess, uh, what are your thoughts on that just by by chance? Well, you know, it's the, a beautiful expression. I, I, I mean, I, I, it, that you've expressed yourself is, is beautiful, and and I concur. I heartily agree with you. <laughs> I do feel that it's important. I mean, if there's any... If there's any criticism, I lost you. you yeah, you're sorry, there? I'm still here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. there was just a little okay. blip on the phone. Um, That's okay. It's important, though. Um, the one thing that I think keeps new thought from becoming new age is mm-hmm. that we have to be extremely self-critical, self-aware, critical in the sense of looking carefully, not criticizing, but looking carefully and being honest about our limitations and our weaknesses and our shortcomings, because this Mm -hmm. idea that everything is just all right no matter what we do and it's all good, on some level, yeah, that's probably true. And and there, you can never be too affirming as far as I'm concerned, because positive energy is never hurtful. But there has been a tendency in our movement that there, I think there are too many people who feel that thinking the thoughts or listening to the program or being on the telephone with, you know, this or that new spiritual leader, um, that just the, that, that, that simply in the act of thinking good thoughts and listening to good ideas about consciousness and spiritual evolution that that is in and of itself enough, and I think that that's a kind of magical thinking. And I'm not a big, I have to say, I'm not a big proponent. This doesn't make me too popular with certain people, but I believe that the time for that kind of dialogue and contemplation alone, that that, that is over, that there's there's always room for dialogue and reflection and learning and listening, but at a certain point, you have to take what it is that you've gained or absorbed or learned, and it's, you then have to take on the responsibility of finding a way to put it into practice, to demonstrate it in a measurable, trackable way, that it's not okay to just simply re-articulate, you know, what, that the shift is happening and that conscious evolution is the new order of the day or that... Um, spirituality will win out in the end, and so therefore all we have to do is think positively and everything will fall into place. I think that that's a big default position that I can't endorse. So there's a way of holding this in balance. Mm -hmm. And I I hope I haven't offended anyone by saying that, but I think it's time to claim that kind of position. Yes. I I do understand what you're saying. For many years um, I did, I was studying and listening and reading, but it wasn't, I think my my awakening came when I truly understood oneness in my heart, and that came in 2007, and like I said, um, here it is, 2015, I'm, I'm just finally stepping out into that knowledge that I know. Um, I think, um, like what I said earlier about not having support, you know, um, family support, friend support, um, is is scary for some mm-hmm. people to step out in their um belief. Um, I know, um I think that it com I think that comes with uh, spiritual maturity. I think mm-hmm. that's that's what we're talking about here is spiritual maturity. The the more you're mature in um your um spiritual growth Okay, that's the best word I could think of. Um, the more you're mature, the more you understand and know you don't need outside support. You don't need um, you don't need love from anybody else. That's all inside of you. You don't need joy or happiness. Everything that's real comes from within. And when you know, know, know that, you can step hmm. out with no fear. And I think that's where I guess I, I believe. I think some people are are a little afraid to make that step because they don't want to lose family support. They don't want to lose friends. They don't want um, not to be accepted in their church. Uh, you know, 
So I see. Yeah, but so, I have an answer to that too. That um, oh, wonderful! I feel is very real. Um, what happens is that even this this concept is even supported in certain you know physics physics models in certain in the physical world too. That there is an aspect to this knowing and claiming of inner love, inner authority, inner power. That isn't a statement that you're that you're now going to go it alone against the world. It's nothing like that. What really happens is that when you really claim that new way of seeing yourself, that what happens is you start attracting new support to you. So mm-hmm. new people come into your lives, new resources, new sources of support, new ideas, new community. It's not that you abandon everything that happened before, the people who really love and understand you will eventually learn how to make the shift with you. But -hmm. what you'll find in the process is that the new you, the new interpretation of, of who you are as a living, contributing being on the planet, begins to show up in the world such that it attracts more of itself to itself. And so you may not be living and working and being with the same kind of community you might have been in the past, but the people that are around you now you find are more appropriate to the kind of work and life that you now want to lead. And it would really not work out well if it was other than that. If you were trying to move forward in a new life or a new project and and you were only surrounded by by systems that supported you in your old life, it would not be very appropriate, and things probably wouldn't work out well. But when you find that you that there's new sources of love, you know, it's, it's really kind of almost mystical. I mean, I guess that's where I have to say I'm a true believer, too, that when I take my steps forward and I try to be courageous about that, even though I'm not quite sure where I'm going with this, I'm learning to trust that process now because time and time again, the things that come in my window are so magnificent that it's almost unbelievable. It's like, how did that ever happen just at the moment that I needed it? And I was exactly the kind of person who didn't say stuff like this before. (laughs) So I must say that that I've, I've, I've learned about how this works enough to be able to say it publicly Mm -hmm. like I am right now. And it's not like a formula that, that is a cause and effect that, that magically you know, you say this and it's an incantation and then it will attract that. It doesn't work like that. There's something genuine about your heart and the, the, the ability to set an intention but not be attached to the outcome. Set mm-hmm. an intention for the higher work and mm-hmm. welcome into your life whatever comes in to support that, even if it doesn't look like the thing you thought you needed, eventually you start seeing how it really was. Yes. That is so, that's so true because I'm experiencing what you're talking about right now. So exactly what you're saying and that other um, piece of it that you just um, spoke about, not having the attachment to the outcome. You know, that's, I think that's a big um, hurdle for a lot of people, spiritual people. Um, we're so accustomed and so programmed to be attached to certain outcomes that um, I think that's another thing that kind of holds people back. Um, but I, I hear exactly what you're saying because I that's where where I am right now. And I know I have this wonderful vision and it's beautiful, but I'm just taking my steps, baby steps, and wherever spirit leads me. And every day it's a new um new revelation, new something new, something I wouldn't even think was, was going to happen, happens. So I'm experiencing that. But um, I, I hear what you're saying. And um, I do, I think, I hear what you're saying, that it is time for us to um, really step into our our spiritual roles as why we came here, why our spirit came here. Um, um, the only thing I I can say for people that have not done that yet is because to them it seems like a very scary. That first step seems very scary mm-hmm. to many people. That first yeah. step. No, I understand yeah. that. And 
You don't have to leap off a cliff. You know, you can right. stick your Take toe in the steps. water and that sort of thing. And and it's also important that I have found that to to listen very carefully to discern when you come up against an obstacle, to know whether it's something that you should accept because there there's something in that no that you need to learn in order to move forward, mm-hmm. or if it's an obstacle that you need discipline and deeper understanding in order to find a way to overcome, that that edge of discernment be- between what what to accept and what to work harder toward is a is a lesson that uh, that I'm still learning every single day, um, because it's easy to say, well, if that didn't happen, then it's not supposed to happen. You, you know, is it, that's just such a simplistic and immature way of of understanding our role as spiritual activists. Sometimes you have to l- listen to a deeper intuition that basically calls you out on your own stuff and says, no, this isn't an excuse for you to just lay back and, and not, not work harder. This This right. isn't an actual obstacle. This is a lesson calling you to learn what more do you need to do in order to overcome and move toward your goal. So they, they, there's no there's no end to the amount of lessons that are learned here. I I would right. I would like to read something that I'm looking at on our website agnt.org. It's a statement by Michael Beckwith that I've always loved. He makes so many amazing statements. The guy is just it just pours out of him. But this particular one is what we're talking about today on your program. He says we are unlimited beings. We have no ceiling. The capabilities and the talents and the gifts and the power that is within every single individual that is on this planet is unlimited. And, you know, that sounds like a, it could sound like a platitude. Well, I know, you know, I've got infinite potential, I can do anything I want. But you, but Michael is speaking from a place of experience. Mm-hmm. He, he's, yes. he knows that he has grown and grown and grown and grown because every time he reaches a ceiling, he tests it to see if it's really a ceiling or if he can go beyond it. And there is no such thing as a limitation. It's, it is what you create, what you think and what you feel about your own limitation or lack thereof is what determines the course of your reality. And, you know, this, it's, al- it's, it's almost mathematical. It's so precise. Mm. Yes. It's very true, and and science. A lot of the new science, quantum physics, is actually proving um, this. I'll never forget from elementary school. The one thing that stuck with me that my science teacher said in elementary school when we were studying molecules and atoms, he said, "There's nothing truly solid." And when he <laughs> said that, and I was like, in elementary school. Nothing truly solid. No. The chair you're sitting on, nothing. There's nothing truly solid. That stuck with me because he he was sharing with me a piece of truth that mm-hmm. you don't hear all the time. Um, and um, like you said, we do create. We create this reality. It it is a, an illusion, um, and we create. And we're creating. We are the the writers, the actors. We're the producers of every of our uh, 3D holographic movie, and we do have the power within us to change. If we don't like what we're experiencing, we have that power to change from within. And um, what you said, Michael is always saying something at the um, revelation. He said something I had to write down. Um, he said, "We are no longer longing for a future." Our lugging a past. And it was he was speaking about in the now, being in the now and uh, being appreciative and thankful where we are right now because I think that that now moment is a springboard um mm-hmm. for that future vision. So it's not saying okay just be satisfied with now. It's it's to appreciate and love the now moment because time is an illusion so now truly is all we can only have our vision will only happen in the now. So um, have that clear vision, 
take steps towards that vision. But in the now moment that you are, take that time to appreciate and and love and accept the now. So we can, so it can spring forward you into that future now moment that you, you're envisioning. And this is um, something I believe. <laughs> uh, and I always, when I share my beliefs with others, I always say, um, you know, this is me. That I'm just living my truth. I'm speaking my truth. My truth does not have to be your truth. And I respect everybody's truth. I don't pers- personally um, subscribe to any one religion. I believe love. If that's at the core of your religion, then you you have uh, truth at the core, because love is the truth. Um, so I I really I I love Michael is awesome. I I was it was so thankful he invited me uh, to be his guest at the revelation, and it was the most wonderful experience I've had in my life. And I said I'm bringing that experience back to the East Coast, back to the Poconos with me, and and going to um, just hold on to that experience and uh, recreate that experience here in the Poconos. That is my, my vision. Um, well, I sure um, hope that as you move forward that you'll, you'll stay in touch with me and with AG&T because we'd, we'd love to have you in our network because there's oh, many things that yeah. we should be doing together and you're very inspiring, and I, I'm, I I had a feeling that when you asked me to be on the program, and I didn't really know anything about you or the program, but but the way that you actually were claiming a certain inner authority that spoke to me when you invited me, and I see now that it's a kind of a chain of um, community. I didn't know at the time your experience with Michael or with Revelation, but the, but you see. We are attracting each other now because we have work to do together, and that's true yes. of all the other players in our network. And it's important for listeners to understand that we are no longer single players or, or single actors in our own story, that this is a time of, of we. It's a time of community. It's a, power. It's a time of how the, our individual gifts are honored, but they become much more powerful in synergy. And... Um, yes. If we get that, then we're going to make it. <laughs> yes. Well, that's that's true. Um, I actually got first in contact with Steve um, of Humanities Team when I, I created a video um, for Global Wellness Day this past October, and I sent it to Steve, and I, I Facebook um, friended him, and he loved the video, and he shared it on his page, and he shared it with some of the Humanities Team so I connected with him, and he was a guest on the show. Um, Barbara um, Mark Hubbard was a guest on the show. Um, I had friends asking me, how do you get these people? I'm like, I email them. I ask them. I ask them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then also um, I want this show also not just to be, you know, spirituality, but also science. Um, a lot of quantum physics. I've had um, Howard Martin from HeartMath on the show. Uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton is an upcoming guest on the show. Uh, Dean Radden is going to be an upcoming guest on the show. So I want to um, balance out the spirituality with the science because science and spirituality are saying the same thing. Well, you are choosing scientists who who already understand the relationship between the, the the material and the ethereal realm so you're not you're not dealing with scientism and scientific right. fundamentalists you're you're dealing with edgy enlightened scientists which is yes. very good <laughs> well what what the movie that film that woke me up in 2007 was what the bleep so I'm very familiar, oh, yeah. familiar we just with the their science. 10th anniversary yes. on in our film festival mm-hmm. yes yes and I cannot believe the hour is gone by already. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Look at that. Yes, I didn't see that yes. either. <laughs> I can't believe it. It always happens. And then I'm always, I never want blog talk radio just to cut us off in mid-sentence. <laughs> so I thank you so much. And we will definitely be in touch because Awake to Oneness Radio and the Kyle Foundation has to be under the umbrella of the Association for Global New Thought. So thank you so much. 
You please have a wonderful weekend, and thank you, Barbara, so much for, for coming on to Awake to Oneness Radio. Well, thank you again. I really enjoyed myself. It was really, I really applaud what you're doing, so keep it up. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. We'll be in touch very soon. Okay. okay. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Good night. Then, Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.